This episode is brought to you by Red Originals. We've teamed up to bring you some of the best quality outdoor accessories available. They offer everything from dry bags to high-performance outdoor clothing, but specifically, and definitely my favorite, are their dry robes and changing robes. The Red Original Pro Change Evo has been designed to protect wearers from wind, rain, and pesky onlookers trying to catch a sneak peek of your naughty bits. I mean, I know they're only human, but that shit ain't free. Anyway, jump on the link in my Instagram bio to go check out their awesome range. Alex Clark and George Bevan, welcome back to the Waxing On series of the Slab Body Wooden Podcast. It's a real privilege to have you guys back again. How are you doing? We'll start with George. You've um, just got back from a visit to the continent. I have, yeah. Unfortunately, not bodyboarding, but yeah, watching Liverpool back from Villarreal uh, in the week. So good. Yes, well, thank you, mate. I'm excited for this one. Nice. Cool. Alex, how are you doing? Yeah, not too bad. Battling on, isn't it? Seems to be a bit of progress with a leg again. But, uh... Final tell. I managed to get down the wave to watch a few of the boys surfing earlier this week. So nice to get water side, if you know what I mean. Got a few snaps. But yeah, just enjoying the, the nice weather we've been having. Nice. Well, um, let's jump straight in. So this podcast comes pretty much straight off the back of the conclusion of the first IBC World Tour Pro Men's event, which was the Eureka. And um, I know the guys are frothing to talk about it, but before we unleash on the final day, let's talk about the event as a whole. So what were your guys' thoughts on on the event as a whole, the running of it, the live stream, just your general thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I was I was away at the start of the week, so I didn't catch much of the early rounds, really. Um, but I thought from the, the stream that I did catch, it, I think it's always, I always find a bit of a balance with these events in terms of working the sponsors in. And I think you've always got that little bit where you might miss a wave at the start of heats, which can be sometimes frustrating, which I'm sure we'll get onto with some of the big waves that came through. But um, other than that, I think it's a great, as I said in the last part, it's a great setting for bodyboarding, isn't it? And you get such consistent waves that I think it allows you to see the progression through the heats as you go through from some of the qualifiers, the early rounds, all the way through to the finals. You're seeing them all ride similar waves, which I kind of like, and you're seeing the the levels go up through the heat, which I, which I quite enjoy. Yeah, in terms of running of it, as I said, I didn't really see the early rounds, so I'd be interested to see what you guys thought, because the finals day that I did catch, I thought was, the live stream was fantastic. I did. I thought it was good. Um, I don't know what your thoughts are, Al. Yeah, it was good. Um, they had the, the odd glitch and all that in the in the live feed, but when you're broadcasting live, that's expected anyway, do you know what I mean? And you're relying on a lot to happen in sync for it to run really smooth. But um, with regards to the event, uh, it was definitely high performance. Um, really good to get them bigger waves for the, the final couple of days. I don't know when it go, goes down to two-man heats and all that again. I, I don't know if I am in favour. But then I know there's, there's equally as many people would be in favour of it. But um, yeah, it, it, was, it was well run. And it, it was good to see them get things underway again any standout newcomers that you may have picked up through the heats anyone that that, that kind of stood out for you i can't remember names man. <laughs> <laughs> i'll jump in there um <clears throat> we actually chatted about him on the last podcast and he was the that winner produced. of the union flopos um a few weeks before the Eureka. so uh that was mateus diaz so a relatively unknown rider ranked i can't remember his ranking on the ibc he does have a ranking 
but relatively unknown in the He's not one of the big names. Fought his way through the heats. And um, yeah, he, he really stood out for me. He really knows that wave, like the back of his hand. Yeah, he stood out for me. And then the other one was the French rider, Maxime Castillo. He just seems super stoked to 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 get a fourth. He's been really, really surfing hard across in Europe and in France and in Portugal. And I think he's making a real run for it this year to get up there with the... Uh, with the last, so fourth for him is, is really good. Oh, no, I was just going to say, I was just wanted to check so I didn't get his name wrong, so I just pulled up my notes. It was, for me, it was Jon Imar. He knocked Ian out, didn't he? And yeah. then he knocked, oh, who did he, who did he, I'm just going to pull it up now as I'm talking. Uh, in round eight, he then knocked out Gabriel Braga. Yeah. And then himself then got knocked out by Tristan, who got a, he got a 19 in the quarters then to knock him out. Yeah. But that run basically was, I thought was pretty, uh, yeah, pretty impressive to be fair to him. So he stood out for me. I just wanted to pull his name up before. Yeah. I... Do, do you know what happened in the early heat? Do you know he was knocked out? No, I missed that. I must have missed that day then. Yeah. So, so, so he was actually knocked out in in round three and knocked out of the competition. But then because he's, well, I think he's Greek Portuguese. Steph uh, Cocorellis didn't arrive at the competition. Yonemar was given his wild card. To, to re-enter the competition back into the next round. To get knocked out in, in round three and then make it all the way through that to, to, to uh, round eight and knocking out big names on the way, um, absolutely, yeah, definitely a real real standout on that one. Good call. Oh, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, he knocked in round two, yeah, finished yeah. third and then was re-entered the next round and won the heat, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's that, wow, yeah. Let's talk about the final day, because I think that's the one that everyone's really interested in. I was actually on a podcast last night with Patrick Orr. We were chatting, and both of us tended to agree that that's quite possibly the most dominant individual performance of a bodyboarder in a final, as well as through a knockout stage of bodyboarding in history. It's up there with the, mm. the Ian Campbell mega heat. I don't know if you guys feel the same. He was on fire, wasn't he? There was no stopping Armory yesterday, like... Nobody Nothing. was stopping him. Like, um, and interesting, it wasn't a particularly aerial game either. He was just sniffing out those deep, heavy barrels. One of those every dog has his day kind of thing, but he was the only dog having that day. Like. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that is truth. He wasn't man-possessed, wasn't he? Like you say, he was just a force of nature. It was just... It, I think it's funny where, I don't know, in, in, in team sports or even if you think about, like, even golf when Woods was winning everything, it was just, you know, you're not going to get near him today. It was just that air of confidence, even like even going to the snooker recently in O'Sullivan, it was just untouchable. But I think people who perhaps don't think about surfing in the same way think, oh, well, you know, it's a bit more, you can't dominate in the same way. And Moz really kind of laid down another marker to say, you can, you can have that presence where you can just say, nobody is getting near me today. You know, it's that competitive edge to, the surfing world that you kind of just got to admire how he just like you say dominated the heat dominated every heat he was in and yeah straight off the bat would just smash a 10 and <laughs> ridiculous ridiculous three heats first wave of the heat a 10 point ride yeah incredible that's, a, that's, that's into the quarters semis and final he's opened up his scoring card with a 10 how do you compete with that as a as a competitor as as your rival over the over the so the quarter the semi and the final obviously 30 points available he only dropped 1.85 so in, in the three heats he scored 28.15 and in the quarterfinals he threw away an 8.25 and the final he threw away a nine Ridiculous. Ridiculous. <laughs> it's, it was i've never seen a rider that connected with a wave before i don't know 
Like uh, he was just completely in the zone. I'd go yeah. as far. I'd go as far as to say that you know I'm not saying that any of them waves weren't worth a ten point, but because they were all sick. But I think you weren't just embarrassing the competitors; you're embarrassing the judges as well. Because in the final, they boxed themselves in. In the semi-final, where they give him that ten at the start, I was like, yeah, I know he did the same in the last, but. What are you going to get? Like, all it took was a roll off an end section of one of them barrels or even a spin out or just just one extra maneuver. And I was thinking, you know, giving a 10 is worthy of a 10, but you're boxing yourself in you because I think even in the final, that is third wave where he scored a nine. I thought that was better than the opening 10, personally. But there was still 25 minutes left in the heat. Like, do you know what I mean? You're not going to give him 20 points because it's, it's game over. Like, and I think I think they were a little bit frantic in the judging box as well. Like, because yeah. like number one rule of being a judge: don't box yourself in. Like, you know. Yeah. And and I understand you don't want to get down into the point seven fives and the point two fives or the point eight fives and stuff like that. But yeah, I think he just um, give everybody. Uh, a lesson on competitive bodyboarding yesterday. Like it, it was absolutely incredible to see him go all the way through the quarter semis, and and then the final was just unreal. On that judging point, there, Informed uh, put up a, a little story saying that the judges had kind of like they were a little bit overexcited with with giving the tens. Do you agree with that? You, obviously, Al, you're you're a judge, um, qualified now. So, uh, in fact, both of you are. That's, <laughs> you're both on the same course so two qualified judges do you think they got overexcited do you think yeah i, I tend to agree with al to be honest a, li- a little bit I, and, and and what you said i think is bang on he got getting overexcited because I, I, there were so many he, he put so many tens down that i'm trying to work out which ones there was one where i thought like undeniably sick wave never i'll never catch one anywhere near that in my life don't i'm not trying to you know throw yeah. shade or anything like that but i thought the same as al i thought yeah but if you know, if he did that same thing and like Al said, came out with a role, what, what are you going to do? What, and and uh, I don't know, the same thing with, I thought, I mean, this is competitive bodyboarding. He pushed Tristan to a situation where he was going on massive air reverses, wasn't he, on that right? And I thought, well, if he sticks that, I think that's more worthy of a 10 than one of those barrels for sure. Mm-hmm. But you've already given the 10. So what, how, like you say, Al, how do you differentiate? Then you've got no, you've got no space to differentiate. But that, I mean, it, it really is nitpicking. But yeah, poss- possibly, possibly you could have been a 9.25 or a 9.5 just to give yourself some space when it's the first wave of the heat, you know? Um, yeah. I think um, the judges were lucky. I think the judges were lucky that nothing major happened other than those barrels, if you know so what I mean. Nothing major controversial. Like, uh, they yeah. did seem to be scoring barrels or the barrel riding very highly and knocking off just a couple of points of a point in the aerial game where they were they were scoring higher for for barrels is what i noticed the other thing do you think that tristan more lost the heat by sticking to the the rights than amory actually being that dominant does that make sense so so what 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 if because tristan got a 9.9 on his i think it was his fourth wave fifth wave when he gave up on the rights and then went across to the le- left. He got a 9.9 on his first first left. Do you think he, I'm going to say, shit the bed by trying to stick to those rights and he should have just gone and moved over to to the left? I know in hindsight, we, but that's what this program is about or this, this series <laughs> is about, is do, 
is hindsighting everything. I think if it was like a four-man final, you would have had a different situation because obviously you'd have that one-man psyching out three rather yeah. than one-on-one. But, you know, as a competitor, basically, if if two people are paddling, or you and your fellow competitor are paddling for the same wave, just for your own good, you tend to just let them have it kind of thing. Because I know people do, but at the end of the day, once you start crossing and stuff like that, and mm. I guess, you know, you could either get penalised yourself or the other per- or you could get a double um, interference and stuff like that, it, it is, especially when you're talking of a, a world tour event. I think he was just dominated, to be honest with you. Um, probably too scared to have a sniff over on the left because Amory was over there, like, angry and <laughs> ready to have some, do you know what I mean? <laughs> you don't know. He, Tristan, he did seem a bit spooked, like, didn't he? Yeah, which is un... And kind of like out of character for him, kind of weird. Can you imagine like watching the other the the, the heats leading up to it and seeing getting M tens at the start, and then he does it to you in the yeah. final? You'd be like, oh man, like that's not how it was meant to go. Like, do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, just a, an amazing performance. I was so stoked, and obviously, congratulations to to Mars Arika, twenty twenty two champ. He now sits top of world tour rankings. He's not going to a Kike, so he's going to lose that opportunity and might lose some momentum. But he will be back at Antofagasta. So yeah. Of the, on that, just a final statistic that I just I was looking at earlier, which I thought was mad. Of the fifteen highest scored waves on the final day, Moz had nine. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say, this this set of heat it will go down in history as one of the most dominant performances ever. I, I think I, like people will be talking about this on podcasts in thirty years time. Mark yeah. that. <laughs> Maybe we will when we do like some kind of remembering thing. Remember, yeah, what? like a throwback. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be cool. But um, what a way to what a way to kick the tour off, though, huh? Absolutely, and- like. Absolutely. It puts him with now a second win. So he's up there with Jeff, uh, Tomega, Player and PLC for two wins at uh, at Arika. Quite a nice list to be on. Yeah, it's fitting, Ooh. isn't he? deserves it, I mean. Any of, it, any of the waves your favourite wave? Uh, it wasn't anywhere near the best wave of the comp, but I quite enjoyed Hub's reverse out the bowl just because of some variety. There was a lot of backflips, there was a lot, a few inverts. Yeah. But just for variety to kind of hit that section as he did, I thought, yeah, you know, fair dues like i quite like that seeing the different yeah the different variety yeah yeah variety is important yeah yeah it was a sick reverse really cool and and it's very much like in the hub style yeah yeah yeah. it's like no one else does that his legs are kind of weird froggy almost kind of like almost like an epo position i don't know if that makes sense like very similar to to kind of epo style back in the the 90s so not not so good stuff mike stewart knocked out in his first heat again that's so that was the first of the seeded riders knocked out in his first heat. So that's for Mike, that's the two competitions this year knocked out in his first heat. Is there anything there to read into? Do you think that the edges come off a little bit? Do you think that the competitive edges come off? Do you think age is catching up with him a little bit? I mean, the dude's 58 years old. Yeah, 59 and I don't know, this week or next week, isn't Something, it? Yeah. Very soon. Yeah. Um, don't know. Possibly, possibly. Um, I mean, it would be, be inhuman, uh, like not 
not really, but then he is kind of superhuman, so I don't know. Yeah. It's hard to tell, I guess, more, more data needed, but um, you wonder whether it's going to be a little bit, I know I've already mentioned Tiger Woods, but a little bit, you know, he'll shine at pipe in conditions that he's very used to, and he just mm. will slowly peter out. I mean, he's been top of his game for, what, 40 years? So yeah. I think it's understandable. Um, yeah. <clears throat> but, yeah. And if he loves competing, then why not? Yeah. Which he, he obviously, he, he put up a post saying that he absolutely loves it. So, um, And he gets to travel the world and, and compete in bodyboarding competitions. It could be a worse life to live. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's still he useful just, as an ambassador, isn't he, at this stage? So Yeah. Could just be going through one of those um, patches, like, do you know what I mean? He might mentally not be there kind of thing, like, do you know what I mean? Uh, does happen, doesn't it? But time will tell. Time will tell. Is, do you know if he's chasing the whole tour this year? Or uh, No, I don't know. No information there. Yeah, but obviously he, he was at uh, at Arica and uh, didn't get a very good result on first out, not knocked down his first heat. But uh, yeah, unfortunate that one because you'd love you'd love to see, I don't know, maybe a swan song, maybe a a real chase for the tour from from the goats, and then maybe go out with fireworks. I mean, that would be the the big story, wouldn't it? Yeah, I'm sure he's got an event in him that we'll, we'll see you know, I, I just said Ben Passovid and he's still good as an, as an ambassador and I thought to myself I'll behave yourself because he's far <laughs> he's far far more than that I don't mean to pass it off you know yeah. and I'm sure he's still got an event in him for sure yeah yeah a big performance in an event you know undoubtedly yeah. sweet cool and then the other one IBC Instagram page hacked again and disappeared I think they were up to 13,000 followers on Instagram and that their first account was at 26,000 and they lost that. And then another one at 13,000, which is just, it's just frustrating. People complaining all over the internet about not, not getting updates and stuff, but I don't think that they realize what it, what, what's kind of happened. Yeah. Just not cool hackers. I don't want to stir the pot, but please just do one. It's not necessary. Yeah, really frustrating. Sounds like it's as if they've upset someone, isn't it? I don't know. <laughs> Is it the APB in the background hacking? No, 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 no. Allegedly. <laughs> but why, why would why would you attack such a thing? Like, I, I don't know. Because it's so niche, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? Why would it's a so hacker... niche, yeah. But you see it with other accounts, right? You know, and then who was it? That Grand Flavor, they got hacked, didn't they, a couple of years ago? Yeah. Um, and then a couple of others. And one day you're scrolling through your Instagram feed and you're seeing, I don't know, some teenage Japanese girl with 30,000 followers or some, you know, just some random and you think, well, how have I followed these? And it's, yeah, I don't know how it happens. Yeah. I don't know. And I don't know the point of it. Is it because they've got a load of followers? Is it because I don't know? Well, we'll get onto a topic a little bit later, but, and we may as well jump straight into it. So I sent you guys a, a, a bit of information about that ocean rescue that happened in Brazil at the Sao Conrado event. Uh, Ren and Souza, the, the chap that he jumped into um, to save the lifeguard, we'll cover that story in a second, but but his account, is, account has been hacked and disappeared because I just jumped, jumped on to, to get information a second ago and it's gone. So, yeah. <laughs> just frustrating. You're just like, what's going on? Bodyboard has uh, changed your password. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like It terrifies me, like, We've put in so much work to grow a page and then it just disappears overnight. Anyway, let's um let's leave the world tour and uh, move on to something else. Uh, the rescue at the Sao Conrado. So a competitor got into trouble, got sucked out into, what would you describe that section as? I don't know, you've, you've, have you seen the videos? What would you describe that piece of the ocean? 
it's like a almost like a an eddy or a hole. Well, to give people who haven't seen the clip a, a bit of a, a picture of it, it was kind of off the edge of a sloping expanse of rock, wasn't it? And it was yeah. very turbulent, like the confluence of kind of the, the swell and the backwash, almost you know, at the beginning of what you would get the refraction for a, a wedge, but lots of turbulence, you know, lots of push up the rock, lots of backwash, you know, just lots of stuff going on is how I yeah. describe it. Yeah, it just it looks like a mad place and somewhere that you do not want to get stuck in a big yeah. swell. Apparently one of the competitors end up, ended up in that and ended up pretty, uh, well, he was d- stuck in that situation. Uh, Joe Zeke and Dudu Pedra immediately jumped in. And I mean, it just goes to to show the quality of watermen that we have in the bodyboarding community, and the the like, the willingness to put themselves at risk. They jumped in, paddled out, and grabbed the dude. And then at the same time, one of the local lifeguards uh, jumped in, and he ended up in trouble too. So putting yourself into a position where you're putting yourself at risk and then ending up a person that needs saving. And that was when Ren and Souza, if you see in the video, which is pretty intense, he doesn't jump on the beach. He actually runs down the down the slope in rocks. And uh, and jumps into the water. Three guys with really good local knowledge, I think, is uh, like just completely like invaluable. And then they have to get a helicopter at the end. Didn't they? Yeah, so they paddle them all the way out, and then then helicopter them back in. So this is just a shout out to Ren and Joa and Duda Pedro for. Uh, for stepping up there and saving a life like everyone came out unscathed which is pretty cool as i was reading on that the rio de janeiro i don't know what it is the, the globo i don't know that local paper and just a, a quote from dudu saying he took barbosa's board and paddled out and he said he got close to the confessor he said he was completely disoriented thinking about the worst and that was he was going to climb on the rock lots mm. of waves from all sides he came to where i was he was exhausted and this is dudu now saying i told us to follow the current even if we went to ipanema and then they yeah followed it out and then like you say the helicopter rescued them but yeah crazy so props massive massive props yeah they're fearless those guys aren't they and so so fit in the water and like you said local knowledge yeah yeah so big props to them one for you alex in the uk we've got a a bit of news the launch of sponger magazine an online bodyboarding magazine only one currently in the uk give us some background there and uh also for you george you've uh, landed yourself probably is it the first article or one of the first articles one of i think yeah one of well yeah so people always uh talk about the days when we did have magazine and in print and all that and to be honest it's not really viable now that's the reason why there isn't any um not to say that there isn't room in the market for the odd one now and then like one surely or something but yeah being in my situation with a broken leg and not one to sit around twiddling my thumbs, I thought, well, why not get something going? Like, it hasn't got to be um, like a post every day or every week or something. But, you know, as long as there's a bit of news, which I know there is coming out every few weeks, and just give a platform for people to have their say as well. Like, say, George has done an article, um, Colin down in Jersey, he's done an article. Um, yeah, boxy dog Matt McCann, who spent uh, Australian, spent a bit of time up in Scotland last year. He was kind enough to do an article. You know, there's a lot of good things going on, and um, I just wanted to provide a a platform to document these things um, going forward. Fantastic idea, fantastic opportunity, and great for just a place on 
in written print for to have in the UK to documents going on. A lot of stuff does happen in the background. A lot of the small events are going on all the time. And it's important that people share that in my eyes, that's what I think. Like you say, that there's a lot of stuff going on in the background as well. Good stuff that I hear going to happen in the in the coming years. So yeah, it's good to just build that legacy, doesn't it? It fills a void. I'm hoping as well that people will, rather than that instant gratification of posting to their own Instagram like half hour after the, the things happened that maybe they'd, they'd want to sit on it and submit it and get, you know, share it through Sponger. Um, potentially, you know, I'm not promising or anything, but we're looking at the viability and maybe doing a once a year print. It hasn't got to be, I don't think it'd have to be totally, they'd be exclusive articles to the print, but you could also cherry pick some of the better ones that were posted online um, just to have them photos in your hands well i know you have them on in your hands when you're on your phone like but you know actually there to pick up put down pick up put down and yeah just say building legacy and uh just documenting things i've got some good there's some good submissions as well lined up that's what i mean you know just because i i did put a post out yesterday for uh about chris levi but just because i've only done that one it doesn't mean oh he's struggling there's stuff there like do you know what I mean there's stuff yeah. there to post out ready to go and it's not going to just be posting stuff for the, the sake of it like so yeah hopefully oh limited edition t-shirts as well there's 25 of them all individually numbered um I give one to the guy Finian who did the design he's a, a New Zealander I believe based down in Devon and he use, uh, does a bit of illustration. And I was chatting to him. I said, well, how do you fancy doing a T-shirt a design? He's like, oh, really? I was like, yeah, yeah, I'd be stoked. Like, he's like, oh, yeah, that'd be amazing. So um, he done that. And I believe I've, I give him one. I've given kept one for myself. I've kept three others back. Um, no, two others back. Number 13 and number 25, the very final one. But other than that, I'll have to check. Other than that, it's either one or two left. So all the others have been reserved or fulfilled. So they've gone. And that'll just cover the cost of setting up the website and buying the URLs and stuff. And gives people a little bit of bodyboard memorabilia. Like I say, they're all individually numbered. There'd be no two T-shirts the same. So, yeah, it's been well received. Sweet, good. I've had a look at it. The site looks really good, and the articles are are really good quality. So, um, what is what is the webpage? SpongeMag.com. SpongeMag.com. So, uh, yeah, sick. And your article is is really good, George. Really enjoyed it, and uh, I was there. So there you go. Yeah. yeah thanks, man. <laughs> yeah, no, I love writing it. Loved loved writing it. It's great to be involved. Like I think you said, <clears throat> you know there'll be listeners to this all over and there is a lot going on, you know, people pick up on the biscuit series and things like that. And there's plenty to talk about. Um, so it's awesome. Yeah. It's awesome. What Alex has done and stoked to be involved. Next topic is the, again, an IBC world tour event, the Wahine pro, Wahine pro bodyboarding, uh, an exclusively woman event uh, on the world tour held in, um, in Brazil uh, from the, 20th to the 26th of June with an 
equal pot of prize money as the Eureka. So $30,000 up for grabs, which as a promotion of women's bodyboarding is huge. I mean, that is, that's massive. Yeah. We got a, is that the one with the Grand Masters as well? Got an over 35s division? Yeah, absolutely. So three divisions. So you've got Grand Masters, they'll be crowning a, a woman's world, a woman's champion. I was going to say world champ, but a woman's champ. Uh, in the Masters event, they've got pros and they've got junior events for that, but exclusively women events, which is sick for women's bodyboarding. It's it's really, f- obviously, it's a women's event, but they've really thought about it in terms of the branding and the women's focus, haven't they? Yeah. Wahin, people might already know this, but it's woman in the Hawaiian language, which I didn't know. Yeah. Um, and then they've got the logo, um, which is a figure of an indigenous woman. So it's all kind of geared towards, obviously, being a women's event and being, you know, equal prize money and things like that, which is it's great. It's fantastic what they've done. Um, so yeah, stoked to stoked to watch it. Like like George says, it looks like it's been well organised, and um, the prize money for me that that's a massive thing to have that that part of money there because we are all equals at the end of the day, and particularly in bodyboarding, I don't see the women as lesser at all. Yeah. Um, a lot of the men could learn from some of the women like uh, Isabella and uh, Joanna, and um, the big thing is is 30, 30 grand up for grabs. That that is sure to attract a lot of attention hopefully it will provide as big a spectacle as as a complete event as the Eureka has and we get to see women's bodyboarding showcased in a in a professional and top top quality environment so super excited for that like i say that's from the 20th to the 26th of june this year any so idea really, really on cool. them any idea on number of competitors for that no 150 competitors sorry yeah 150 that's competitors. what they're saying on their promo 150 competitors that on their promotional video unless i misunderstand in portuguese it says 150 <laughs> jesus yeah i mean that Cross is the, I say across the three divisions as well i think katarina sosa is making her way over as well isn't she but there are there are so many um, women competitors all making their way to to, to South America because you've got the Akike, it's got a women's division, and to Vegasto uh, as a women's division. Um, I don't know if you've got have seen the amount of money that's available in the next two events. So no. sixty two thousand uh, dollars across all the divisions at Akike, and ninety thousand dollars available at Antofagasta, and then. You've got the, the Wahine, which is a poem, so 30000 exclusively for the women's event. So there's money there available. And um, I mean, as of this last weekend, it's attracting the top talent. It's definitely working in terms of getting the best riders in, in competition. Loads of exciting stuff going on within women's body more than at the moment. Then a little bit of a weird one, multi-face Tata. It's intriguing. I couldn't really find much other than the link to the Premier coming soon and... Well, I so just, I, I, well, I think that's that's pretty much what it is. So yeah, um, obviously Pride. I mean, they're doing an incredible job across the world of bodyboarding at the moment. They have the world's premier bodyboarding team. I don't think anyone can argue that. Like they have the best riders riding for them. They obviously have just sponsored this last event. They're doing an incredible job, investing a lot of money, and they are producing some of the best content and some of the weirdest content in terms of bodyboarding that's out there. But uh, so they are premiering a, a new edit or, or clip. So just like Africa, uh, which was uh, Pierre, Tristan, Isabella, all in Cape Town. Um, this one is their trip to the Azores. So mm-hmm. they go around the uh, Azores archipelago and, and peninsula and, and surf the Azores, which again, super sick content coming out from them. And, and that premieres on the 21st of June on, on YouTube. It's mad like how far out ahead they are from any other brand. Like, do you know what I mean? You say all yeah. the good stuff they're doing, they got the best team arguably they've got the best boards 
or they've got the best range of boards out there definitely you know um, with all the variations with the radial flex and all that stuff they've got their wetsuits yeah. they, they've got their fins they, you yeah. know they, they're absolutely smashing it and you know saying they're doing all these crazy things i think they're in a position where they can afford well you know they, they obviously took a bit of a punt on that um bam bam balaclava thing right but they're that far <laughs> out ahead of everybody else that they can afford to take them risks as well yeah do you know what i mean it's um I, and I'm reinvesting like, which is just like it's so sick to see a, a board company say board company a bodyboarding company just stepping into the void like, yeah how how what would it take for NMD to get anywhere near that? You know, NMD have always been the benchmark, but like how far ahead of Pride pulling away now? Yeah. Like, like it's, it's it's unfathomable, unfathomable. However you say it, you know what I mean? It's yeah, uh, crazy. Like. Yeah, I mean it, it is, and um, it just lays down the gauntlet and sets an example for for uh, for other manufacturers and, and and other companies. So you have to ask yourself, like, what is science doing? Yeah. What yeah. are science? What are science sports doing for the sport at this point? I mean, yeah, I guess a little bit of a. A segue on that, I think something that we're going to come on to talk about, but a great thing that I think Pride have done is, like you say, with the Azores trip and Peninsula, their lap there, or their previous one, yeah. um, the joint trip, so having Isabella there as well, and having that as part of the clip, so pushing women's bodyboarding, but also just showcasing it, because on that clip on Peninsula, I thought Isabella was the standout, I mean, that the beach yeah. break they saw, she was absolutely ripping, yeah. Um, so having yeah having those joint trips and then you're saying like what a science doing will come on to it but you know launching the, the Schenker board is great but having joint trips and joint flicks that come out you know films and vids is I think is really great to see you know and yeah obviously they on those trips they're then pushing each other and you know promoting the standard aren't they so and the quality's there as well isn't it it's not as if they're just churning out any old stuff like from their boards and the equipment to the edits like the they're yeah. churning them out like oh, they must have a hell of a production team to be churning those edits out alone like do you know what i mean and a travel budget because trist i mean they're they are yeah. shipping these riders team riders around the world let's jump back to uh, joanna Schenker. she's um won the national open bodyboarding circuit in uh, the first event in portugal so congrats to her that's along with uh, ricardo romino uh, big kudos to them and congratulations but off the back of that and just recently announced she's got a new board come that's come out the um the JS uh, with science. It looks like a really sick board. Comes out in, in fluoro pink and has some really cool features. Comes standard with the signature contours, 55-45 rails, single stringer, obviously the tailpiece, and then it's got the TRT trail, uh, TRT crescent tail. So it's a slightly different shape on the bottom. So the inside wings of the crescent protrude further than the outside of the rail. I don't know if that makes sense, if you can envision that. in. So if you imagine you've, your normal crescent, you've got the two flat pieces on either side, the inside points protrude further than, than the two outside rails. I don't know what that does for control, but it's an interesting design. And it's got the quad vent channels and sirloin slick with nose bulbs. So overall, just look at a, a really sick piece of kit. Way too small for me. I'm not going to be riding that board. <laughs> Does it come in a range of cores or is it just a PP or? Uh, it doesn't, I couldn't find that. It doesn't say, but I would imagine and you would hope that it would come in a, a few different cores. To be fair now, and you may not agree, but I think NRG is kind of the 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 price point that people want because it's got so, it's so versatile. So I was quite yeah, interesting. I was just, I was, sorry, so 
put in, but I was expect I was expecting it to be an NRG. So I went digging around and it's actually a PP. It's a PP. And yeah, it's a PP. And then um on Joanna's post, um she states that it's yeah, PP and then wave cushion air eight pound PE deck. So I don't know PP core, but then the yeah, the PE deck. So quite interesting because I, I was expecting like like the pollard the hardy pollard is an nrg as well isn't it yeah um and and to be honest for our waters i've never i've never had an nrg and i've always ridden hardy i've always thought about well, would i just get a pollard because i want an nrg and i want something you know genuinely so um i, I don't really understand the differentiation between you know um you know men's always being pps largely and women sometimes being nrgs but i'd, I'd be really interested to see because obviously joanna's been involved in this design so yeah. why she's gone for the pp um and then the yeah that wave cushion deck i'd be really interested to to hear some more if we could get some thoughts on from her that'd be great wouldn't it if we could well, maybe you can uh, hit her up and give her get her to give you a little two two three minute rundown of the uh, board and why she designed it that way chris 100 yeah i'll reach out to her and find out because uh it makes you wonder how, how far now is it how soon until pride because this one thing pride has been criticized about is not having a female model or a pro model for isabella yeah, so true. like how far how far behind is that now jimmy If you made it this far, thank you so much for listening. A big shout out to George and Alex for giving up their time to record these podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Red Originals. Follow the link in my Instagram bio to go and check out their awesome range of products. Follow Slab Bodyboarding on Instagram for regular book stuff and tag your mates if you dig the content. You.